Podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Be listening here in the next few minutes. What do we got, a sound bite, Trent? We do, yeah. We got a little boomer sound. No, that's not Ken Miller's sound. That's a different kind of boomer. We're talking about the sound of fireworks as we're going to be giving away gift certificates and getting people hooked up with a chance to celebrate our country coming up here in less than a month. Yeah, $50 gift card to the Iowa Fireworks Farm. Be listening for the cue to call. Just call in. First caller will give that to you. That'll be coming up somewhat this uh, sometime this hour. And we're doing this how long? Do we know? I uh, don't know how long the promotion is going to last. Uh, don't know if it's a week, a month, what it's going to be, but we will do it throughout and Give people those gift certificates down south of us, just down 35. Get hooked up with some good fireworks. I love fireworks. Are you a fireworks guy? No. No? No, but I'm old. Don't forget. <laughs> True. I, Were you ever a fireworks guy? No. Friday night at the Meadows, didn't they fire those things off? And my rearview mirror as I made my way back to Ankeny. <laughs> Uh, you just saw them looking out? No, but they they used to draw a hell of a crowd. Oh, yes. Oof, that was as good a fireworks display as any. Well, look, it doesn't sound as though there's going to be baseball on July the 4th, but it does sound as though the new date that they're targeting is July the 10th. We're going to get back to the Iowa story, but this, uh, just for a few minutes, I need to take a breath. Um, a little palate cleanser. Yeah, for sure. Good way to put it. So the player, the owners have submitted a new proposal to the players one that would be for 76 games look i'll and i think i speak for a lot of baseball fans we you know plug our nose and say okay give me 50 mm-hmm. but that's not much of a season when it comes to baseball right? right now it's 76 starting on july the 10th there or about with a 25 percent pay cut opposed to 40 no more of that progressive sliding scale remember if you're making mm-hmm. the most money we're gonna we're gonna penalize you if you're making minimum we feel that we shouldn't take away too much of your salary which made sense to a lot of people uh but not to the guys that you know have and i get to their credit, have earned the right to make $20 million a year. They have. And then they're not getting paid when they're in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s like the owners. Fair point. We'll be continuing to collect those that money that's coming in from And baseball. the value of these franchises have mm-hmm. certainly not been going down. So a 25% pay cut, no sliding scale, opposed to 40, 76 games. So apparently, according to John Heyman, who's really good at baseball, I mean, he is terrific uh, at what he does. Uh, MLB Network, I mean, he's everywhere. Um, the players... First glance, not thrilled. Don't I like this. Saw Andrew McCutcheon. What did he uh, say? L O L. That's what he said. That's it. That was his tweet. Here's my fear, Trent. These owners are billionaires, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to get to a point where they would just as soon cut off their nose to spite their face and say, "You know what? We just made our last good faith offer. This is it. You want to negotiate on this offer? That's fine, but there's not going to be another one. And we're going to get to a point where it's you know, screw you, no, screw you. Right. And we and the ones that get screwed are us. I was reading an article last night about just the back and forth and some of the concerns inside the Players Association with Tony Clark. Past leaders... Oh, by the way, have you seen him? 
My God, he looks old. He didn't quit. He didn't retire that long ago, did he? That gray will do that to you, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> me neither, right? Uh, Tony Clark, though, he is very steadfast. This is what we're coming to the table with, and there's no negotiation with it. This is our proposal. Accept it or not. Mm-hmm. Past union reps and leaders of the union were very much a part of the back and forth with the owners, and this has been a change. And part of this change. It leads to what we've seen in salaries and the increases in salary year after year. And I think if you look back, it, the chart that I saw, it was going back about 20 years. And most of those, at least the initial, starting 20 years ago, it was usually between a 5, 7, sometimes upwards of 12% increase year over year of the average player's salary. The last four years, though, there's one that went down. We remember that offseason when no free agents were getting signed. Oh, yeah, right. Three years ago. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the increases are 1.2%, mm-hmm. 2.2%. But was that a market correction? I mean, they couldn't continue to keep going up the way that they were, could they? But revenues continue to balloon in Major League yeah. Baseball. Yet Television salaries, contracts, Trent, I mean, you can local talk about contracts. Yes, yeah. But collusion, of course, then becomes a conversation sure. that happens along with it. But some people believe, including some of the players, believe that the reason for that is the negotiation ploy that Tony Clark uses. And the owners are fed up with it. And they've seen enough, and this is their time to put their foot down and dig their heels in a little bit. And because of that, that's where we're at the spot and the impasse, it seems, we have on both sides. Well, and here's the, here's the bad news if you're a baseball fan, the way that this thing is going now. The collective bargaining agreement oh, yes. expires at the end of next year. 2021, it's 2021, done. 2021, it's done. Ready for another one of these? You, you think there's going to be any hard feelings to oh, carry over man. into those negotiations? Mm-hmm. It's going to be nasty. They, they should be in spring trading right now. They should be... Getting well, ready for the season. It was Cappy, wasn't it? You follow Cap on Twitter, yeah. don't you? Yeah. I think it was Cap that either retweeted or tweeted a picture of Ian Happ being driven. They were on their way to Arizona. I have no idea who was driving, but uh-huh. Happ was in the passenger seat in the front seat. They were off to Arizona. And, you know, the, and I'm paraphrasing, the, uh, the language in the tweet was somewhere, well, this has got to be a good sign. You would think, You would right? think. You know, a couple of Cubs going back to spring training in Arizona. At least I thought they were a couple. I know, I know Hap is. Uh, but that was as recently as Friday. So the owners apparently uh, have made this latest proposal. Andrew McCutcheon, as you just read off his tweet, laugh <laughs> out loud. Oh, well. He was not buying this, and he's not alone from apparently some of the reaction from the players to this latest proposal. But I just don't think the owners are going to keep coming back to the table. They're going to say, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Don't like this? Well, give us what you want us to do, and we'll discuss, and it's that seems coming fair. to a head. It, it seems fair. This is not to take ownership side, but that seems fair. 80% of your salary prorated over nearly half the games. Mm-hmm. 76. Boom. Yeah, 81 would be half, so you're getting close. So that takes the regular season into you know early October. Mm-hmm. If they played 50 games starting in you know, even July 10th, they they would be killing time at the end of September. Well, they'd be starting the playoffs. It'd be an expanded playoffs, and that's another oh, that's piece of that's a good point. I forgot about that. That's an excellent point. So we're probably talking of upwards eight teams per league getting into I this I thought it expanded... was, uh, was it eight? Well, that was that initial proposal, but I think they're going to look to do even more here just for this year, not going forward, but for this season. Here's the, here's the thing about expanded playoffs. If we know we're getting them in the NBA, yes, we know we're getting them in the NHL. Mm-hmm. If we get them in MLB, can you put the genie back in the bottle, 
Or will this? Good point. Yep. I mean, will, will this? We'll be so ensconced in these additional playoffs, and I get it. Eh, everybody gets in. There's no reward. Regular season is meaningless. Mm-hmm. But can you put it back in the bottle? I, I don't know if you can. At 24 or 22, nah, like the NBA, it's, it's, it's a little lot. too much. Yeah. Little, it's a lot. But a play-in for that last slot? Right. I like the way the NHL is doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not 24, but it's... To get the 16, and then you start. It's you're a, playing off to get the 7 and 8 seed. Right. And it's a short series in the NHL. It's a one-off in the NBA. Whatever it may be, I would sign up for that. Or you got to win two, beat the team twice to get that last spot. I like the way that the NBA did that for that last slot. Yeah, I do too. I, I hope we actually have that come to fruition, right? Because it's not guaranteed that right. we'll... Anyways. All right, we're going to talk to uh, John Bowen Camp. Look forward to talking with the wise owl. He has He's the longest tenured now, right now, that Rick Brown has retired. Although I did see somebody that's been doing television for 33 years that asked a question yesterday on the Zoom. Leistikow pointed him out. He's from Eastern Iowa. Don't remember who. Don Doxy? No, it wasn't Doxy. Doxy did not. Uh, he thought Ferentz had a terrible. Doxy, uh, he's been at it a long time yeah. in the Quad Cities. Has he? Yeah. I think he's got Bonacamp beef, and I wonder him and Batterson are around the same age. But Well, anyways, uh, they've been there a long time. Yes. Um, so he will join us, and then Anthony Heron, former Hawk, who's all over media today. Mm-hmm. All over. I guess he was just on the score in Chicago, apparently. Um, we'll get uh, we'll get him in about a half an hour from now. We're there about 25 minutes. All right, shall we? Let's do it. All right. That's there you your, go, Boober. That's it. That's your cue to call. Uh, call in right now, somebody, the first caller. Caller number one. Do you want to do it? Yeah, yeah. Caller number one wins a $50 gift card to Iowa Fireworks Farm. Iowa Fireworks Farm. Caller number one. Phone is ringing. We've got caller number one. Uh, well, we know that that person, whoever won, is not going to have won a prize in the last 30 days because I don't think anybody's given anything away in the last 30 days. Very few, anyways. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. John Bowenkamp joins the program next. If your phone is ringing... Uh, you're too late. We already have our caller. If you're ringing in right now, we'll do it again tomorrow. All the shows will be doing this here. Um, so be listening later on in the day. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back. Miller and Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO with you until noon. Anthony Heron coming up here in about 20 minutes or thereabouts. Right now, John Bowen Camp from the Maven under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. Uh, he joins the program. John, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on, sir. Good to speak with you. Uh, you've covered the program for a long time. What, your third decade you're in now covering uh, Hawkeye sports, Hawkeye football? Is it three or four, John? Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be, this would be, let's see, I started covering basketball full-time in 93. No. So, um, so it's been 20. This will be this would be season 28. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah, this has been, uh, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, this, this weekend, seemingly 
I don't know if it came out of nowhere because we'd been seeing some. I still go back to DJ Johnson's tweet when he left the program that it had nothing to do with playing time. I wonder if that was um, a way of, you know, maybe not greasing the skids, but before he felt comfortable coming out, if that's what he meant. But man, oh man, this past weekend, like none we've ever seen, John. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's funny because you don't realize it at the time. But I think when we talked to Kirk on Wednesday, um, there was he had a different tone on Wednesday. He had met with the team on Monday night. Um, there were some, and he admitted, in, or he said in, in our conversation with him that there were quite a few players. There were there were a few players on the team. I shouldn't say quite a few because I don't know how many. But there were players on the team that said to him they didn't like how he had handled the previous weekend. And they thought he should have said something sooner, and they thought he should have put out a statement. And as he was talking the other day, he was you could tell that he was, I don't want to use the word shaken, but I think he really got an education from some of those players on Monday and Tuesday in discussions with them. And you could hear that in his tone on Wednesday. You could hear it again on Thursday when, when he was on ESPN Sports Center on Thursday night. Um you know, everybody kind of expected, okay, we're going into the weekend, players are coming back. We kind of expected, actually, the big story this week to be the coronavirus. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the, those guys were going to get tested mm-hmm. over the weekend, and you were going to start to see, you know, did any players test positive, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, you know, there was there were some lingering things there Wednesday and Thursday on social media. And I think James Daniels' tweet saying there were racial disparities yep. in the program really set things off Friday night. And since then, I mean, it's just been a, a, a you know just one thing after another that's come out, and you could tell in Kirk's if he wasn't shaken on Wednesday, you could tell yesterday he was he was shaken a little bit from from what happened. I, I think this really caught him. I think it really caught him by surprise, and I think the the anger and, and some of the words he heard, I think, really caught him and really impacted him on on Friday night and Saturday. We've all talked about this before, John, about the strength and conditioning staff and and the leader of the strength and conditioning program here, Chris Doyle, they have so much power. And I saw a former player say that it's his program. It is his program. Is this maybe looking down the road that we have given too much power, not to the head man that's making millions of dollars a year, but to a strength and conditioning coach that the way that it's currently set up, too much power is being given across the country to these staffs as opposed to the coaches that players get to know that are part of the recruiting process. And maybe this is something that needs to change inside of college football. I think it does because I think, you know, like you said, it's, it's a nationwide thing. This isn't just Iowa. There are a lot of, there are a lot of programs, a lot of very big programs in this country where the strength and conditioning coach is paid very well. And, and like you said, has a lot of power and, you know, anybody who's been around Iowa's program knows how much of an influence Chris Doyle is in within that building. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it is a problem. I think it was, you know, I mean, we can go back to 2011 and, and the Rabdo situation and, and what happened there. And, you know, back then, you know, if you think back then, there were a lot of people that defended Chris Doyle after that. You know, all these things happened. Et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just think that his power has built over time. And I mean, that, that weight room, yep. that, that, that area is a very big part of that program. 
and you can tell that if you've ever been in that building and ever taken the tour, you can see that it is a big part of that building. No doubt about it. And if 13 players in the hospital didn't take him out in 2011, he had to think he was almost invincible. And until this weekend, uh, it seemed like he was. John, I don't know what the other shoe is that the next shoe to drop will be, or even if there is one. But if it, if there is, could it potentially be parents refuting what uh, Kirk Ferentz said yesterday when he was asked if any parents contacted him you know, to report uh, some things that uh, didn't seem right in the program. Uh, and and Ferentz couldn't recall that. And again, this is a guy whose memory is as sharp as anybody uh, that we've ever come across in athletics, seemingly, about some things. Maybe not everything. I'll give him right. that benefit of the doubt there, but he's got a great memory. But could that be the next shoe to drop if there are receipts, if there are parents uh, that, you know, do show emails that, yeah, I reached out. And, you know, um, for him to say that we didn't is just, it's not true. I, I do think that's possible, but I, I do think that, I mean, we have seen from a lot of the parents on social media this weekend a lot of support saying that they don't want to see anything happen to Kirk, but they want to see him make a change. You know, um, you know, does, you know, do we, do you know, I mean, I do think that's maybe, you know, I mean, if there is something that drops next, it could be that, but, but. From what I've seen over the weekend, I mean, a lot of parents, of, especially current players, have said, "Look, we we believe in him. We believe in in in, in him. We want, but we want to see him change. We want to see this change." And so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, you always do. Whenever something like this happens, you always wait for that next shoe to drop. You know, whatever it may be. And so, I think really the next two or three days might tell us a lot about what the future is going to look like if if this. You know, if, if you if you start to see a lot of positive comments coming from everybody, then you move down the road. But if somebody starts throwing more things out, like I mean, just yesterday, you know, we're on the call with him, and all of a sudden, Jack Kallenberger, you know, makes a post, and you know, somebody asked Kirk about that, and and, and you know, it's like you said, these things tend to pop up at any time, and and I do think that if it happens, I think it happens here pretty soon. If not. I think maybe you're going to see everything now kind of start to move forward. Iowa football has built itself over these last two te- decades being tough, being physical. That's how they are, and, and that's how they get to this moment. It's, it's not about recruiting the best players. It's not about being flashy. And it feels like there has to be real change with Kirk Ferentz at the helm. We joked five years ago about new Kirk, but can there really be a new Kirk? Can you see him evolving enough to, to get to the point? Many people believe they need to. I think he. I mean, I, I mean, I, I do think that he evolved after the 2014 season and, and some of the things he did. Um, I, I think you can be demanding without being controlling. Absolutely. And and I and I think that that one of the things he said yesterday was true. That that you know, I mean, and they said you know, in talking to a lot of the players, they appreciated the demands that were put on them. We want you to get a degree. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. They appreciated that. What they didn't appreciate was the tone, whether it was from Chris Doyle or Brian Ferentz or whoever. Um, you know, I mean, there were some unnamed coaches yesterday, and people kind of speculated on who that might be. Um, you know, it, it, it's like you can, and, and as Kirk suggested, you could be demanding without being to be. And I think that if there is a culture, if there's a part of that culture that has to change, that has to be it. I mean, you can you can demand work from people, but you can't insult them. 
And and I think that's what I think he heard from a lot of the players is treat us with respect. You can demand things from us. You can demand that we do certain things, but, but respect us. And I think a lot of players felt disrespected by by the coaches within that program. John, maybe unfair question for 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 you, but if for Brian Ferentz, uh, who's not part of this, and Kirk didn't want anything to do with it uh, when he was asked why he should be on uh, administrative leave, Jalil Johnson was very critical. Said, "Look, it's just not Doyle. Brian Ferentz is, is is equally as culpable in this. If he was Brian Dunlop, would would Brian Dunlop be under?" Um, uh, admit placed on administrative leave. Brian Ferentz would well, would Brian Dunlop have been? I, I I think he would. I mean I don't know. I mean again because I, again the the in as Kirk said yesterday there have been kind of two levels of accusation. You know with with what you had for Doyle and what you had for Brian. And as he said with Brian, we we've already dealt with that. And he never, I mean didn't really go into what they did. And I mean you know maybe he was just told. You just need to shut your mouth a couple times. Um, but but Brian, the one thing about it is Brian reports to Gary Barda. Right. So I think who reports to Kirk for, Ferentz? I'm convinced. Well, you know, uh, there is that question: Where has he been this weekend? Of the yeah. statement, which is a whole other question. But but I mean, I I do think that that right now, I think their biggest concern is what everybody's been saying about Chris Doyle. And I think maybe the Brian thing is getting handled or has been handled and maybe is, is being quietly handled. Um, you know, so, but no, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he would be on administrative leave, but I do think Kirk would be handling that discipline. I think rather than, you know, being because of the nepotism rule and everything else, it would be, it would be him handling it, I think would be different. You mentioned Chris Doyle, and we've talked about him certainly a lot here. Ken and I can't see any way where he finds his way back with the Iowa football program. Do you think there's any path at all, John? No, I mean, and 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 because because I think that the the allegations at this point are are so numerous mm-hmm. that you can't just say we're going to let him back if he apologizes. I mean, I don't see any way you can and then try to say you're making progress is my thing. You know, um, so, I mean, I, I just, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't, I really don't. I mean, I, I've been, you know, thinking what, what the the response would be if, if he was brought back and if, you know, he, you know, if they said, okay, we're going to bring him back, but we cut his pay. Everybody's going to say, well, that's all you did. You know, I mean, there, there. Everybody's watching this. You know, the, the, the you know, the, this is this is a major moment for this program, as people have written. And I mean, this is this is a big moment. And I don't think you can mess it up by just slapping somebody on the wrist and saying, "Well, he's going to attend sensitivity training and come back." Um, I think if they look through, if they look into these allegations, like I said, there's a lot of people. This isn't one or two players this is an awful lot of people saying things right now uh, prior to this week had you had any indication of of, of the uh, not just you or you know other fellow iowa mem- uh, media members that are there as much as you guys are any indication that this was going on behind closed doors john no i i know and i mean that's you know i mean a lot of people said well, how could you? How could you not see this? Right. You know what we get. What we see is what they want you to see. Well, I mean, we get that Tuesday access with the players, and that's for them. It's I mean, those those players don't if they if they have conflicts, they don't have to do the interview. 
we get the Tuesday interviews with the players. We we see the game on Saturday. We see the post game with them. So there isn't a lot of access to them. We are only allowed in, you know, a certain segment of that building. You're not allowed to go anywhere else. And I mean, there there is a controlled message there. And it's it's you know, I, I was trying to think. I've been trying to write a column out of this, and I just have not been able to sit down and do it yet. And one of the lines that that I've thought about was this was this was a cocoon, you know, this was, this was there. Mm-hmm. Now we found out it's a hornet's nest. Um, you know, there's a lot going on inside there right now. And so I, I, I think that's something, like I said, it's a very controlled environment. So, um, you know, we've talked to all the players and, and we've seen the comments they've made when they've left and gone on to the NFL. And, and you, you just figured, I mean, every program has, you know, has its problems. I think that you didn't know, that it was this serious until this weekend. John Bonicamp joining us. A little levity to finish up here, John. We know you're a huge, huge baseball fan. You're a Dodgers fan. Boy, going to stay. Front runner. Yeah, Mookie Betts. No, not going to get I a know. season out of him this year. Boy, they will uh, give him all kinds of money. <laughs> all kinds of money. Well, yeah. you're going to have to wait another year if there's no season. You've, you've waited 32 I, I, for I saw title. a tweet that spring training's nine months, only nine months away. There you go. See? How that great one, is that? And, and, and that's about what it is, and I, I think Major League Baseball, they're all making a huge mistake here. Yeah. And I think, I think they're all, I think both sides are looking at what are the long-term ramifications rather than let's just play the season and worry about everything else when it's done. I mean, and maybe it's most of those players know that the Dodgers would, would easily win and, and win the World Series, and they just don't want to deal with that. I don't know. But... Um, Seriously, I, I just think that, I just think there. I just think right now that that both sides are looking for foundations for what's coming next because there is going to be a labor issue that comes next with the sport. No, and, no. I, and I think they're trying. Both sides are trying to build that foundation now, rather than let's just get through the next few months and worry about that later. All right, we'll end it on this. What is coming next? So back to our Iowa topic, John. Is there? Have you been told any media availability this week? I know there's voluntary workouts started today uh, inside the building for the players that are back on campus. Um, as you mentioned, we thought that the, maybe the COVID news would be the news that came out if there was to be, and we certainly were hoping against that. Uh, what uh, what kind of avails are there in the next couple of days? Will you guys get any access that you know of, John? I've heard of nothing right now. And, you know, I mean, I like I said, I keep thinking we'll get a – a Gary Barta call here in the next day or two, because I do think he has to answer these questions. Mm -hmm. How are you going to handle this? I know there's an independent review, but you have to handle. So, so that's going to be the thing. Do we hear from him in the next couple of days? That to me is like, I think the next big step, because I think a lot of people have questions right now about how this is being handled and, and what his role in it. And I, I think for Iowa State, I think we have to hear from him soon. I agree with you. Maybe Bruce Harold, the president of the university too. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, you know, that's the bad thing about the, the, the coronavirus thing is that you can't have that press conference. Yeah, right. You know, at, at 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 Carver Hawkeye Arena or at you know in the in the football building, whatever. You can't do it. Everything's done video conference. But yeah, I do think you have to hear from these people and say, what are you going to do to make this better? And it's you know, and it may not just be the football program. What are you going to do within the athletic department to make this better and make this right? And I think those are the questions I think that, that the big picture, I think, need to be answered, too. Thank you, John Bonecamp. Uh, read them at the Maven, the Hawkeye site, part of the Maven under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. Thanks, John. 
Thanks. Have a good day. You do the same. John Bowenkamp uh, joining us. We'll take a timeout. Who was our fireworks winner? Our fireworks winner was Paul. Sent off uh, Paul's information, and he's got $50 uh, his way down there just off the exit for New Virginia. You been down that way lately? Probably been pa- no. <laughs> Probably been passed on my way to KC, yeah, right? right? When's the last time you were in Kansas City? Uh, the Big 12 tournament that they won, uh, the f- last one they won? Is that what it was? No, because I didn't go to the Jacobson year when he oh, was okay. a junior. The one before that, I guess. Uh, I haven't seen a game at Kauffman in a while. I love Kauffman Stadium. I do too. Big fan. Easy in, easy yeah, out. It really is, isn't it? Uh, we'll take a time out. We'll come back. Anthony Heron's scheduled to join us. We hope he does. Miller and Condon take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.net. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Final few minutes of a Monday. Doesn't look like we're going to get Anthony Heron. Very busy today. He said he was going to try to squeeze us in. We'll give him a call back here in a few minutes and see if we can uh, catch him before we hit the top of the hour. All right. So it's it's going to be an interesting week. Um, I, I I know that um, Akram Wadley's mother said that she's going to go public with what she knows mm-hmm. uh, happened to her son, Akram Wadley. Um, and her name is Chandra Phelps, and her birthday is Wednesday. I did see that part of her Facebook video that she put out, and she said, I don't know why she wouldn't do it on Saturday, but she said something about she's going to do it on her birthday on Wednesday. So, um, I don't know. Was Akram treated unfairly? Uh, Did Chandra Phelps go to Kirk Ferentz? That, to me, Trent, is the part of the story that I think potentially uh, is the biggest land, is the biggest shoe still left to drop, Mm -hmm. is are there some more parents out there that will, um, you know, call out Kirk Ferentz for saying that uh, that nobody came to him with a complaint that he can recall? Well, and if it's a complaint about too tough on my son, right? That's one thing. Or playing time, you know, this kid's not that much better, than my right? Kid. Right. And Akram Wadley, I mean, we saw what he finally took the field and just how dynamic he was, and right. and Wadley was one of those players that consistently we heard about in press conferences. Mm-hmm. Like to keep his weight up, get at 190. Well, in order to do that, what do you have to do? Be inside the weight room. Mm-hmm. What about Noah Fant? Another one that we have not heard uh, anything. A very kind of innocuous tweet okay. uh, yesterday or over, over the weekend, anyways. But he was a guy that seemingly should have got a bit more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, Hawkins is a hell of a player. Let's not kid ourselves. But uh, they're, 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 as you look back now, hindsight being what it is. And seeing some of these guys that, you know, is he in the doghouse? Why isn't he getting more playing time or these type of things? Is there something more there? Um, the Ferentz doghouse? Yes. How many times has that been brought up over his 21-year career? Do you remember the story from the era of Darrell Johnson Koulianos when huh? he was playing DJK? And it was one of those open high school coaching clinics where high school coaches are able to come in they learn from the staff, but it's also an Iowa football practice. And there was a story that I heard from a number of different people that on message boards said they were there. But DJK did something 
They never found out what it was, but had to walk around practice with a trash can over his head. Now, this isn't in the weight room. This isn't with Doyle mm-hmm. running. The, this is during a practice where high school coaches across the state are right inside the building. Witness. And they said... A record-setting uh, receiver at the University of Iowa. Go on to become one. And this is what happened with him mm-hmm. inside a practice. So Was he blackballed? That was always part of the... That he didn't have an opportunity. Now, I don't know if he would have made it or not. But mm-hmm. look, he set records at Iowa for crying out loud. He was dynamic. Uh-huh. That's for sure. They don't pen, beat Penn State and make that march up the field for mm-hmm. Daniel Murray to kick the field goal mm-hmm. without him making a couple of big plays. They don't come back and force overtime against Ohio State in the shoe. That's true. But without this, him. Let's, not, let's not paint him as a choir boy. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, he he certainly had his issues. I mean, he was on the coke train. Was he not for a while? Wasn't that part of it? That was uh, yeah, at least the intonation that it was. He mm. had the lived in the quote unquote drug house. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. And didn't conclude his career. Now, can you blame Kirk Ferentz of the Iowa football program for NFL teams looking at this guy that? was living allegedly in a drug house. Yeah, but there's a lot of guys that get to the, If you can play in the NFL, they're going to take a look But when the, the question's way. asked to Kirk Ferentz... Yeah, I, I don't know what went on. And what does a black ball exactly mean? That, that's a great question. I don't know. If, if Kirk Ferentz... Let's use um, Noah Fan as an example and just say, boy, you do not want this guy in your football team. You think every 32 NFL team's going to say, no, okay, we'll listen to Kirk. We're not going to... No, I don't. I don't. I think there's some. Yes. I think the Patriots would. That's that's at the forefront. Uh but but I saw somebody pose this too. Is this is the New England Patriot model the way that it is? I mean, it sounds oh so similar to the way that Iowa the is. Patriot way. Yes. Is an extension of college in some respects as these guys have. Now that's different. These guys are getting paid uh, handsomely. Some of most of them. All right. Of them. Strength and conditioning. I mean, by this point, yeah, you can get by the time the guys are 23-24 and in the NFL, you can get stronger, but it's the buildup by the mm-hmm. time you're 18 to 22 that I think is a big part of it. Yeah, my, my thing, Trent, uh, is um, what, what we've heard a lot about ex-players today and um, that they're going easy on. They don't want any change. I still think that these guys, in some respects, are, are kind of living in fear. You know, what if Doyle doesn't lose his gig? What if he gets back in the building? You know, are you going to call him out publicly only to have to face him before? Um. I think that parents the same way. I mean, uh, Goodson's mom was. Oh, we got Anthony Heron. Well, let's get. Let's save that for. Let's. We only got a few minutes left in the program. Uh, Anthony Heron joins us. Of course, former Hawkeye back in the early part of the Kirk Ferentz career was with Big Ten Network. Now on uh, the Pac-12 Network, Anthony Tranconda. My name's Ken Miller. Uh, thanks for coming on. How are you, guys? It's uh, between a, a global pandemic and all the. The racial unrest of recent weeks, and now you know, my Hawkeyes being smack dab in yep. the middle of the discussion. It seems like this is the year of 2020. I mean, the sort of intensity of it just kind of hits closer and closer to home for me every couple of weeks. Indeed, and and knowing Kirk Ferentz, if you do, uh, Anthony, here's here's my question. Um, he has to have known what's going on inside his program, right? And if he doesn't know what's coming on, going on, might that even be more damning? I mean, I'm not. They're both bad, but he had to have known, at least have heard, some of these allegations that, you know, over three dozen former players have come forward this weekend. I think that's more than fair criticism. It really is. You know, my my impression 
is that, yes, there's no way Kirk didn't know about anything that, that Chris Doyle said to any of the players who've been coming out, speaking out about it. I think the extent of it, perhaps how frequent it may have happened, especially over the scope of when we're talking 21 years these guys have been together. Now, most of the players who've come out with, with some of the more damning things in their interaction with Chris Doyle have been guys who've left the program more recently. Um, so, I mean, do I think Kirk didn't know about any of it? No, that, that would be pretty far-fetched. But I can see where because Chris Doyle is he is literally the head coach you know, of, of the strength and conditioning program, and the head coach, the position coaches on the football field itself aren't necessarily there in the weight room with the guys mm-hmm. on a daily basis. So I think if Kirk didn't know about more of it, the broader picture of it, the, the perceived frequency of it from the players who've spoken out, I think it, it perhaps goes to the the discomfort that players would have with trying to call out, you know, a, a Chris Doyle, the head strength coach at a program for, you know, for feeling like perhaps they would suffer. Anthony, take us back during your time. Uh, every player's experience is different. The area, the arrow that we're talking about is the the beginning, the build the rock era, break the rock era as the program mm-hmm. was building up. Take us to your time, though, inside the Iowa football program and what you saw, especially inside those walls of the strength and conditioning staff. So for your listeners who don't know, my, I was there from 97 to 2000. So I played as a true freshman for Hayden. So I had Hayden for my first two years at Iowa. I had Kirk, Chris Doyle, and the staff that Kirk brought in for my last two years at Iowa. And when, when Kirk and Chris first came in, there was, a, there was an immediate shift in, in how the program operated. Kirk was a much different personality from Hayden. You know, Kirk was very a super steady guy, sort of monotone in a lot of ways in his delivery and how he handled things. And, you know, very calculated in, in his approach to, to each day. He could be the heavy when he needed to be, but really as far as the, the daily tasking of things, Chris Doyle, as a lot of strength coaches around the country need to be, Chris was more the heavy. You know, Chris was the one who was going to come in and revamp the, the strength, the speed, the power of players in the Iowa football program with a very different approach. There was an intensity that he brought to that that was very necessary and certainly very useful with the results on the field for Iowa football. So I think that overall, you know, I, I would say the, the way I've discussed the hierarchy with some folks who know the Iowa program well and perhaps some folks who don't, I would put obviously Kirk Ferris number one over the success of the last 21 years. I would personally, in some bias in there, say Norm Parker would be number mm, two yeah. on kind of my totem pole the last two decades. Chris Doran, no, no lower than third, perhaps even second, with his importance to the success of Iowa football over the last two decades. I'm sure it's evolved since, uh, since your time there, but when people talk about the Iowa way, what do you think the Iowa way means, Anthony? One thing I've tried to, to dissect with a little more nuance for, for some folks I've been discussing this with the last couple of days, whether it's been you know media appearances or radio appearances, talking about football, or just friends, teammates. I mean, so many of us spending time on the phone or group text or Zoom calls, just breaking all this down with discussions that, that the country's begun having more in recent weeks and not for those of us who, who played in and love Iowa football having it just about our own program. It, it is uncomfortable, but it's necessary, and it's so important, guys. And I think for, from my experience at Iowa, especially just as a black guy at Iowa, I think there, there's a tendency to view it as, in kind of air quotes, the black experience at Iowa. But even that 
is you know needs to be sort of bifurcated a bit because for me as a guy who's who's originally from the south side of Chicago as, as a young kid was rarely around white people but then my parents move us out to the, the burbs and I go to Bolingbrook High School where in Bolingbrook there were years so I was literally the only black kid in my class mm-hmm. and so for me my experience in going to Iowa City in receiving the regiment of the Iowa football program and and how comfortable I may be, or perhaps even a better word, maybe how accepting I may be of a, a type of communication of an environment where I just I don't see many, hardly any folks who look like me or come from a similar background. I had more experience with that than perhaps a guy from Florida or a guy from Mississippi or a guy from maybe some small town in Texas or whatever the case is. So I think there can be different degrees of discomfort and different reasons why a player will grow, will feel some unrest with, with whatever his level of individuality is that he's still hoping for, still trying to find within the construct of the, the Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa football, very team-first dynamic that's led to so much Hawkeye success. Anthony Heron joining us. He was a defensive lineman early in the Ferentz era. Last thing, Anthony, we'll get you out on this. I don't know if you've had a conversation yet with Kirk and – but if he's asked what can be done, what can be done to help the black athletes inside the University of Iowa football program, what answers could you give him? What's interesting, guys, is you know you were following the news cycle closely. I'm sure mm-hmm. there were things that Iowa football was, was already working to improve along these lines, and they were very forefront about that discussion last week leading into all, all the news and players coming out about their negative experiences with Chris Doyle. You know, things like lifting a social media ban, things like, you know, trying to trying to discuss things in, in more detail, perhaps in more nuance with African-American players on the team to make sure they feel included, that it's not necessarily feeling like their, their voices are being tapped down or that ex- their experience isn't feeling, you know, isn't, isn't being thought of as, as important as those from other backgrounds around them. So those are very hard discussions that Iowa football is already starting to have. I think that needs to continue. And but I have no doubt in my mind that as humble a man and as pure a heart as, as I think Kirk Ferentz is, I think he's receiving all these things and really looking to, to try and implement some change, as he said publicly, in and around the Iowa football program to make sure that everybody from all backgrounds can feel valued in the same way. Anthony, uh, important conversations going on all across the country, all across the world, quite frankly, long overdue conversations. And uh, it's inside now the uh, Iowa uh, football uh, offices, communities, and uh, players' meeting rooms, etc. We'll continue to watch it. Anthony, thank you. A, a Pac-12 network for you now, right? On television, yes, Pac-12 Network, and I'm on Big Ten Radio every morning on Sirius XM Channel 372. Wonderful. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Continue this discussion. It's not an easy one. I appreciate you having me. It certainly is, and thank you, sir. Uh, Anthony Heron joining us as we uh, wrap up a Monday here. Uh, Before we go, uh, Hawkeye football players' tweeting policy. Iowa Sports Information has just put this out. The one pre-approved tweet was the original agreement last week. Players now have no restrictions. There's a positive step. Last week it was one pre-approved a week, but it's changed over the weekend. So maybe change is afoot. Small baby step. Murph and Andy, two. 
Fanatics 4. Morning Rush tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.